0: I want to talk about Gary. I've always wanted to talk about him, but nobody would let me. This was our small town secret, and my biggest regret. I live in Quebec, Canada, in a small French town called Saint-Michel. Most of Quebec's small towns are preceded by a saint, but I swear to everything holy, there's nothing worthy of God's name in these small towns especially not in Saint-Michel. It's a beautiful place if you want to have a chalet in the north where you can fish and hunt in peace. But living there all year round? Well, you better be strong. I'm not here to rag on the small-town lifestyle. In fact, I enjoy it. I'll never understand those who love the city. There's no privacy, no quiet, there's no nature. Maybe because it's where I grew up, and I know how good it is to be in the woods. Anyway, back to Gary. Gary was a strange-looking boy. We all thought he was a bit slow, which is why I never let him go to school. You see, he just wasn't made for this. His body was strong and healthy, but his mind, uh, it was fragile, and he wasn't a good learner. At the time... I was a local hunter that specialized in deer and moose meat, so a good thing to know is that Saint-Michel, back in the days, was 90% forest and 10% Main Street. Most people lived in random cabins in the woods, and had a mailbox in town. There was a church, a convenience store, a small medical clinic, primary school and a high school, but both of those were in the same building. It's probably fair to note that the town had a population of fewer than 2,000 inhabitants. So, there were maybe, what, 150 to 200 kids of varying ages? A lot of them didn't go to school either. It wasn't enforced back in the days, mainly since people around here lived either on farms or in the woods. The only reason we even had a school is because of how far away the town was from other towns, it would have honestly been a pain to get a local bus to round up all the kids and bring them to another town, especially in winter, what with our lack of equipment to clear the snow. And believe me when I say we get a metric ton of snow in the winter. The kind of snow that forces a guy to roll around town on a snowmobile and pray that you don't have any emergencies. And so, because of all these reasons... I never bothered sending him to school. The hunters, hikers, and a few other locals knew about him because we also spent a lot of time in the forest. Whether for work, hunt, hobbies, that was about the only thing you could do in Saint-Michel anyway. Now the boy, maybe he was a bit slow. But he also had a good sense of humor whenever he talked. He was a bit shy and reserved, but... (laughs) You could quickly get him to talk if you gave him a Coca-Cola. Now, I don't know why he loved it so much, but he could down a can in about ten seconds. And he was strong. Boy, was he strong. He was built like a bull and as strong as one. If he needed something moved, he was happy to help and show his strength. Maybe it's because I had him cut wood from his tenderest age. But Gary's muscles had muscles. If you catch my drift. Which made him slightly dangerous when he was upset. Not that it happened often. But there was an incident once. It made everyone in the village all too aware of the monster in the woods. That's what they started calling Gary after the incident. Now if I can grossly recollect what happened. It started with a bunch of 14 year old kids hiding in the forest to smoke some grass. Local high school teens bored out of their minds who had never seen him before. Now, I heard there was some taunting, and at first, Gary was too slow in the uptake to realize he was being bullied. But the problem is that he eventually figured out that he was being mocked, and he really didn't like it. He broke the kid's jaw, and I stopped him just in the nick of time. It was about to hit again and there's no doubt in my mind that that poor kid would have ended up with worse than a broken jaw. My intervention also gave just about enough time for the other kids to run away. Now I managed to reel the boy in and pull him away from those teens. Then I drove to the clinic to fix that kid's face. It wasn't pretty. A few missing teeth, a cracked and dislocated jaw. The poor boy had to eat out of a straw for a month. At least. His parents wanted justice, but hey, they were both kids. With a promise to keep him in the woods, as I always did, I also managed to avoid the worst. Now this is probably a good time to say that while I was taking care of him, he wasn't my son. Gary was a baby I found in the woods 14 years ago, and I took pity on I couldn't understand why someone would just leave a baby in the forest. The town was the kind of place that was chock full of bears, wolves, and foxes. All of which would have made a snack out of him if they'd find him before me. I couldn't leave him there. So, I adopted him. Anyway, back to the incident. What we didn't know was that this argument started over a pretty girl named Jessica. Now Jessica liked to hike in the forest, and often stopped by my house to talk with Gary. I wasn't really aware of it because she went during the day when I hunted, and Gary wasn't much of a talker, at least with me. She skipped classes to come and talk to him, and she was brilliant, so her parents and teachers didn't mind much. She was 15 years old, and was already in her last year of high school, Now here in Quebec, Teens finish high school at either 16 or 17, so she was a year or so earlier than most. Winter passed and everybody stopped thinking about the incident, mostly. The snow melted and the weather was starting to get more pleasant, so the kids began to smoke in the forest again. They, of course, avoided my house, where the resounding noise of woodcutting came from. They may have stopped thinking about it but they didn't forget what happened to their friend. Another couple of months pass. June comes, and final exams are given. Now, For some teens, it means high school is over, and it's time to celebrate. For others, it's just a pretext to party. Our boy Gary is still talking with his sweetheart Jessica, and though they're not official, it's pretty obvious she has a soft spot for him. Which is why she decided it was a good thing to try and socialize him more. She thought that the party would be the best way to introduce him to her friends and make them see how funny he could be. She knew him. She knew he just needed encouragement. But, you know, I wasn't sure. But I let him. He was going on 15 and, well, maybe it was time. The night of the bonfire. She got to the party with him. Despite being a relatively popular girl, everyone fell silent upon his arrival. Or so I heard. Nobody knew him. But at the same time, everybody knew he was because of the accident. Unfortunately, some bored, drunk, and high kids who think they're invincible decided they wanted to pick on Gary because Gary destroyed the goalie's brother's jaw. Mind you, Hockey is like American football here. Kids who play hockey are revered, they're admired, and quite honestly, some of them are untouchable. While the kid whose jaw was broken was not a player, his brother was. In any case, they didn't need more reasons to pick on him. And I guess things might have been okay if they'd stop at that because he was strong enough to resist the rocks and insults they threw at him as long as Jessica was safe. But one of the kids grabbed Jessica by the wrist, and that's when the shit hit the fan. Now I was there that night. Now I know I said I wasn't, but I was. It's been over 20 years now, and I finally want to talk about Gary, about what happened. I saw Gary sitting by the fire with Jessica. They both shared a log and seemed to have an okay time until the hockey team's drunk fools came around and decided to poke fun at him. I gritted my teeth and stood in my spot in complete silence, wanting to see what would happen. Now, part of me wanted my boy to rise and scare him, but I also feared that he would, you know, break some bones in the process. Gary surprised me as he kept his calm even as they threw pebbles at him. He only focused on Jessica and completely ignored them. Jessica got angry and asked them to stop, but once she rose from her log and was grabbed by the wrist, Gary lost his marbles. When Gary lost his mind, his eyes turned a bright neon blue, and a sort of halo surrounded him. The only other time I'd seen him do that was when I found him as a baby. Now, I didn't really know what that meant. I mean, it's a baby. What do you want me to think about, a shining baby? So I just decided to raise him and hope for the best. Smart kids were already running over. Not-so-smart ones were frozen on the spot. I heard one of them call Gary a monster before the first scream tore through the atmosphere. I should have intervened there, but... I couldn't move. When my eyes found the source of the scream, I instantly saw that the goalie's left arm was missing and his body was falling to the ground. I remained frozen in my spot behind a large tree, unable to run or intervene anymore, paralyzed by fear as I watched Gary reach for the second arm and pull. It didn't take long for the flesh, muscles, tendons, and bones to tear away from the shoulder socket. And the kid screamed again. and I could hear the blood coming up in his throat. That spine-curdling, gargling noise is, well, something I'll never forget. Or forgive myself for. The other kids on the hockey team that harassed him started running. But it didn't matter. Within a minute, he had one of them beheaded and another's leg broken to bits. Now, this was horrifying enough as is. But the worst of it all is that it looked like he was taking his time. Gary looked utterly lost, but his blue eyes were luminescent enough to illuminate the whole area for me to see, and I saw everything. I watched in terror as he squeezed the life out of every four kids who harassed him. He shoved his thumbs into their eyes and pulled them out of their sockets. Gary beat up one with his fists until his torso had not a single bone left in it, making sure his insides were applesauce by the time he was done. Another, he slowly dismembered, pulling and twisting at the limbs in every direction until the poor kid passed out, and when he did, Gary punched the teen's torso so hard he managed to get to his heart and ripped it out of his chest in one rapid motion. This was all so surreal, and I was the only one who could stop him, and I couldn't move. The last one, the one whose arms had been dissected at first, the one who started this whole thing, suffered a lot longer than the others. Gary didn't rip more limbs, didn't finish him. He let him watch as all of his friends died, and when he passed out, Gary threw his body in the fire just like that. I could smell the blood and gore and the putrid stench of a burning body. It made me sick to my stomach. I was sure I would die too, and honestly, I thought I deserved it for saving and raising a monster. Part of me still wanted to run, but I couldn't. It was like my legs had been sawed. So I stood there, forced to watch as kids were being ripped into, like mere rag dolls. Because of my mistake, they were all dead. Gary? Gary was a monster. Gary turned around and looked at me, but didn't really look. His gaze was still wholly unfocused and still very much glowing bright and blue. I felt the life escape out of me from every pore. My blood turned to ice, and I almost had an out-of-body experience, thinking I was next. Then I heard it. I heard her voice. I didn't expect her to be here still. Stop, Jessica. She didn't run. Just like me, she stood there, in shock. And poor her. She was covered in the blood of her classmates. Her beautiful yellow sunshine dress stained crimson. She shook from head to toe her face as pale as the moon as she looked up at Gary. Gary's eyes returned to normal and his halo disappeared. And he stood there in shock as well, for a good three minutes. Neither of them said anything, but I'm guessing neither had anything to say anymore. I think Gary saw the shock and horror on her face and realized what he did was wrong. His glow diminished and his eyes refocused. He looked at her again, and I saw his lips trembling. Maybe he wanted to apologize, but it was too late. The sheer terror in Jessica's face was all he needed to understand, that he needed to leave. Gary ran away and disappeared into the woods. The village was destroyed by the news the next morning. The church had never been so full of people. The town had never mourned so much. I didn't go to any service, neither did I show myself in town for a while. The convenience store butcher also refused any meat coming from me, so I now had to travel two towns over to sell what I had hunted. They couldn't jail me for raising a kid, but the rest of the town made it pretty known that they didn't want me here anymore. I don't know what happened to Jessica... Quite frankly, I don't care. I left my house, too, and decided to go live deeper in the forest, where nobody could find me. I could live from the meat of my hunt, and I made a garden for some vegetables. I built a sturdy cabin with some help, big enough for two people. Sometimes, you can hear the sound of wood chopping if you venture deep enough into the woods of Saint-Michel. I might not be his biological father but I couldn't abandon him.